Portage Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Angie Van Tassel. Angie has made quite a mark in Michigan's copper country since moving here in the 1980s. She initiated a high school completion program for pregnant and parenting teens, started support groups for women with cancer, provided rides for little brothers, friends of the elderly, and is a board member with UP Kids. She also helped build the new pickleball courts in Hancock. If you know an incredible volunteer like Angie, go to dogoodcc.org and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today. Of course, as we mentioned, spring begins tomorrow. And we talked about severe weather that spring tends to bring to us. The other thing that spring tends to bring to us is lots of orange barrels on the highways because the Michigan Department of Transportation gets out and starts working on projects that they have planned in the area. And so I welcome in Dan Weingarten from the Michigan Department of Transportation to talk a little bit about how they decide what they're going to do each year and and the specific projects that we have planned here in the Western Upper Peninsula. Dan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, technically, you're already underway, though, with orange barrel season, because I was driving up in Keweenaw County for the Copper Dog 150 a couple of weeks ago, and on M26, I came to the Silver River Bridge, and the Silver River Bridge is down to one lane, and there's a traffic light there guarding uh, people uh, one lane going through. So technically, orange barrel season has already started here. I guess you could say that. Uh, those... Uh that situation has been in place for some time up at the Silver River Bridge, and that's because uh, we've had a situation where one of the uh, stone walls on that historic bridge have, has been slowly moving, and uh, so to maintain a safe uh, situation there, we've had to block off one lane. I believe that's been in place for uh, more than a year at this point with that temporary signal. But you're right, some work has started on that uh, bridge, which we hope to uh, actually remove and replace as soon as we can this spring. Um, as you said, uh, springtime and uh, construction season coming coming fast, but we never know exactly when that's going to happen. We, we sure hope to uh, be able to get in and start work on that M26 bridge over the Silver River as soon as we can, perhaps even in April of uh, of this year. Yeah, I saw some pretty impressive pieces of heavy equipment sitting there, and they were covered with snow at the time, but uh, obviously somebody has some intent of getting on that. How do you approach right. a bridge like that? That's one of the, that's kind of an historic bridge there with that stonework on each side. How do you approach something like that? Can you save that stonework, or does it just have to go? Well, unfortunately, in this case, we're not going to be able to reconstruct a, a bridge with, uh, with that stone. Um, we will try for a bridge that has a similar look. Um, the new bridge is going to be longer and wider and actually span the entire river instead of uh, the current situation. It's, it's a stone culvert that, that kind of channels the river. Um, We've we've had it uh, reviewed, and it, obviously it's a historic structure on the Register of Historic Places in Michigan. Um, and what we're going to do is retain some of that stone and build a an interpretive sign and marker um, using some of the stone on the bridge. There's also some stone steps leading down to the river that we're going to preserve, um, even even though we'll be uh, doing a lot of earth moving around the current bridge. So. You know, we're trying to be sensitive to that, but um, to, to the historic nature of the bridge, but we also need to replace it with a bridge that will last and uh, um, 
serve the motoring public well into the future. Um, this is a, a large project. It's uh, almost $3 million uh, for, for that project. Um, but as I said, we hope to get started you know, in April or May, depending on when the snow finally goes. And um, the idea there is to get started really as early as we can. And we've got an accelerated schedule. Um, so in 10 or 12 weeks, we hope to have the new bridge uh, open and uh, carrying traffic up to Copper Harbor. Oh, really? That quickly? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, um, you know, we've got some incentives built in to, uh, for the contractor uh, that they can uh, make a little bit more money on this project if they uh, complete it uh, faster. Um, and, you know, the, the situation there, uh, there's no... Um, there's no way to easily detour around that that bridge. It's it's the only way uh, for M26 to get across uh, M26 traffic to get across the Silver River, and um, so the detour uh, will be on US 41 up to Copper Harbor. So if you have a camp or um, you need to get just on the other side of that bridge, you'd have to go to Copper Harbor and come back. So it's it's um, out of the way. And, and we really want to get that done quickly. Can I confess that as I was sitting at that bridge, and I think I was the only car on the road for maybe two miles either direction, and I can see all the way to the other side of the bridge, and there's nobody over there, and the light is red, and I'm mm. sitting there kind of going, <laughs> gee, maybe right. I should just go through, but I didn't. How many people are tempted to go through those lights when they don't see anybody on the other side? Well, that's, yeah, that's an issue, and, but you shouldn't, especially in a place like that where the sight distance is really limited because you don't know what's coming down the other, the other way. Uh, whenever possible, we try to have those uh, signals actuated uh, so that they can pick up uh, whether there's traffic on the other side, but uh, out in remote areas like this, especially, it's, it's important just to uh, be patient and, and wait for the traffic light to signal, signal you through. Um, oftentimes these temporary signals at bridges are in places where you don't have a, a great sight distance. So, you, you you know, even though you're pretty sure there's nothing coming, you, you don't uh, necessarily know that. Um, so be safe and uh, obey the traffic signal, please. Yeah, I did. And uh, and, and you're right. You, you, it just takes a moment or so, and eventually it changes, right. and, and on you go. We can't be that much in a hurry. This was obviously, this project was a surprise. I know you like to plan out projects. You like to say, okay, this year we're going to do this. The next year we're going to do that. This was a surprise. How much of a loop does that throw you when all of a sudden you have to take on a multi-million dollar project that you hadn't planned for? Well, luckily we have some contingency funds in different pots of, of uh, MDOT money around the state. Uh, so there's a, there's a bridge, um, fund that can be tapped in cases like this. And, and we then just kind of reevaluate our, our plan. We, we try to have a rolling five-year plan that's, that's fairly stable. So we're always looking five years out. Every year there's a new call for projects um, where we try to identify and prioritize the projects in our region and uh, get those funded for upcoming uh, fiscal years. But we're, we're always looking a minimum of five years out um, for MDOT projects. And when something like this comes along, we can, we can move projects. We can um, look for alternative sources of funding to make sure that the, the projects that are most important to our road system get done on time. And it, and it really does help to have 
you know that that long view, the the uh, the forward thinking uh, view about which roads we want to fix and when. So, Dan Weingarten, uh, how do you and the Michigan Department of Transportation decide what projects are going to be added into the mix? Well, the first thing we do is look at the current condition of the roads. We monitor multiple pavement characteristics, uh, testing them with equipment and visual assessments. Our, our folks ride around, uh, do a van tour of the entire Upper Peninsula from our three offices, the uh, Ishpeming, Crystal Falls, and Newberry office cover the entire UP. Um, they look for ride roughness, crack, cracking, and rutting, um, and you know, then they look at the history. How, how long has it been since this uh, particular stretch of road has been uh, has had some work done on it. Um, they also have to look at the forecasted condition. In other words, you can you can take a look at uh, a certain type of pavement, asphalt, or concrete, and uh, using uh, using a system of evaluation that takes into account the current condition, how much it's going to deteriorate over time, how long a proposed fix would last. Then you you look at that, and then you feed that into our strategy, which is um, trying to maintain uh, the entire road system throughout the state at the best level that we can. Um, And that doesn't then sometimes always mean fixing the worst roadway first. Uh, In order to maximize the limited resources that we have, sometimes we, we fix a road that might not be in quite as bad shape as another road a few miles away because that one can be fixed more economically and will actually let the bad road deteriorate a little bit more and then do a complete reconstruction on it when it makes sense to do that. So basically we say we try to uh, pick projects so that we're doing the right fix on the right road at the right time um, to kind of keep that overall condition of the state's uh, trunk line system in as best as we can with the uh, resources that we have. I see two terms, as you mentioned one here. I see two terms in your descriptions of projects. I see resurfacing and I see rebuilding. What's mm-hmm. the difference between the two? Well, so a resurfacing fix uh, typically repairs the existing surface. It, it, sometimes it's a long-term fix. It could last for 20 years. More typically, it's a six or seven-year fix. And we use those for um, roads that are in fair uh, condition, and it's a kind of a mid-priced fix. Um, we also do preventive maintenance uh, fixes. You might have seen these around uh, chip seals are one where uh, an asphalt emulsion is put down and then a new uh, wearing surface, uh, some, some small chips of um, material are put down over the top. That might only last uh, three to ten years, and that's for roads that are in good condition, and that's the least expensive. Then when you're talking about reconstruction, um, you're talking about actually going down, repairing the surface, but also the base underneath the road. And typically we look for an 18 to 26-year lifespan for something like that. And that's used for roads that are in poor condition, and that's the most expensive fix. Uh, We we can look at, uh, you know, up to... Uh, $3 million per mile for a complete reconstruction. So consequently, we don't do as many of those uh, types of major reconstruction um, fixes as um, as we do the preventive maintenance or resurfacing. 
We have in the Upper Peninsula, obviously, a lot of different conditions. Uh, There are swampy wetlands conditions that roads go through. There are hills. There are rocky conditions that uh, roads go through. Uh, Is it more of a challenge to keep roadbeds in good shape here than it is maybe downstate where the land is flatter and a little more predictable? Well, they have swampy uh, problems down there, too. Uh, Michigan, in general, is, is a difficult state for road building um, compared to a place like um, a place like Arizona, where where it's largely dry and and the conditions are similar throughout the state. No, you're a- absolutely right. Um, the varied terrain up here, from from very rocky to very swampy, is is difficult. And uh, the other thing that's really difficult that people don't always remember, because I mean, when we think about winter and spring, we think about snow removal and keeping the roadways safe for drivers by, by salting and sanding and, and plowing. But um, that same weather that creates difficulties for us traveling in the winter also uh, makes it difficult to build roadways that last as long as they do in some other parts of the country. Um, we, have, we have a lot of time spent right at the freezing point during, during the spring, uh, so that freeze thaw cycle is really what uh, what hurts the roadways because you uh, you know you get water from snow melt and spring rains that can infiltrate underneath the roadway freeze at night when it gets cold again and that pressure from the freezing water underneath the road can tent up the road it can create cracks in the roadway and just overall accelerates the the deterioration of the roads in Michigan so it's a combination of the terrain that we have to build on and also the uh, the pretty uh, serious weather challenges that we face up here. Yeah, I've had friends from the South come to visit from time to time over the years. And one of the first things they say is, what's wrong with your roads? They're all cracked up and falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I have to explain to them, freeze-thaw cycle, frost underneath going in and out, that kind of thing. Absolutely. You don't get that in New Mexico. <laughs> no, New Mexico, Arizona, I mean, we, we would love to be able to... Uh, have the kinds of maintenance schedules that they have in in some of those arid uh, uh, places of the United States. But, you know, we we work with with what we've got, and, uh, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can with with the funding that's available. And, of course, we fight that battle with salt each winter. On one hand, we know that we need it because we need to clear the ice off the roads. Otherwise, people get into crashes and die. We don't want that. But on the other hand, we know what it's doing to our cars. Are they making Mm -hmm. any progress on coming up with alternatives? You know, it's uh, not just cars, but, you know, there are also environmental concerns with the runoff from from salt. So uh, we... We have experimented in different parts of the state with some alternatives to traditional salt um, uh, with with mixed success. I, I know uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota have looked at some agricultural products, things like beet juice, um, even uh, spent um, grain residue from, from fermentation, you know, like from beer fermentation. There's a lot of different things that are being looked at, and, of course, our, our maintenance research people are, are following these uh, research projects. We have not come up with anything that works as well as, as the salt that's been the traditional treatment for a long time. But we are trying to use the, the salt that we need to put out there um, as sensibly as we possibly can. And some of the things we've been doing are pre-wetting the salt so that we're putting out um, a brine or a, 
um, you know, a, a wet salt product that will stick to the roadway better. Um, we've experimented with different types of spreaders to, uh, you know, because one thing you want is for the salt to uh, hit the roadway and not bounce off or scatter across the roadway and onto the shoulder where it's not doing any good. So um, we're running our salt trucks at slower speeds, which uh, sometimes can make people impatient, but uh, leads to uh, more efficient use of the salt. And, uh, you know, looking at different ways that we can get the, the best uh, effect for the salt that we do put down. Um, we'll, we'll use what we have to use to keep folks safe, but we certainly don't want to use any more than we need to either. So Dan Weingarten, let's talk about some of the MDOT plans for our region over the summer. I looked at the list the other day and uh, not a lot going on this summer in uh, Houghton and Barraga counties, at least. Of course, some wrap-up work on the College Avenue project in Houghton that they didn't quite get to last fall. They found some real surprises under that road, didn't uh, they? <laughs> yeah, they did, including a, a, a lot more rock than they expected on part of College Avenue. And uh, a ventilation shaft for an old mine that did not show up on any of the plans that uh, uh, that we were working with. So yeah, that uh, that will be um, ongoing here as soon. Again, another project that we hope to get started as um, as soon as we can um, this spring. We'll be finishing up that uh, US 41 project there. A little bit of work to do on the east end of uh, Montezuma and then down in the Franklin Square area. Um, you know, this has been a multi-year, uh, this was one of those more extensive reconstruction projects where the entire roadway was taken up and um, we had um, a lot of uh, city uh, utility work that went in conjunction with this, which makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you want to get everything done that you can while the roadway is ripped up instead of uh, having to go back in uh, to do that work. So, uh, city water and sewer upgrades were made at the same time, and we added uh, center left turn lanes along College Avenue and um, uh, changed some of the lane configurations there to make it a, a little bit uh, more consistent through the campus area. But yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting that wrapped up um, here this spring. Um, beyond that, um, we and the Silver River Bridge project that you mentioned uh, further north, um, we do have some work uh, going on in the Portage Lake lift bridge this year. It's not going to be nearly as extensive as folks have seen in the past year. Um, some work on the north side of the bridge. Uh, we're going to be doing work underneath the deck. Um, as a safety precaution, they're going to be building some false decking underneath there because there's some concern uh, that, uh, you know, there, in the future there might be um, – some concrete spalling or, you know, piece of, pieces of material might fall off of the bridge. And so there'll be a concrete, or I'm sorry, there'll be a, um, a wooden uh, false decking constructed under there. Um, and so there'll be some traffic disruptions on the ramp um, leading down to Ripley uh, during, during that. We don't, um, we don't have a construction schedule for that yet, so I can't tell you exactly when that will be or how long it'll last, but um, you know, there won't be work that will disrupt the uh, traffic across the lift bridge, which I know will be uh, 
good for folks there in, in Hope. Yeah, and Hancock we, we, to, uh, we do appreciate not having disruptions on the bridge. Now, that bridge is getting a little age on it. How long should we expect it to last? Well, indefinitely. I mean, we've, we're, we are, uh, we've done major work on the lift cables, um, uh, the machinery now, you know, brand new uh, lift motors to raise and lower the bridge. And then, uh, of course, uh, the finger joints between the moving part of the bridge and the stationary part of the bridge. And, and looking further out, we do have some, uh, some work on the deck itself, um, maybe off uh, four or five years in the future. Um, so, you know, with, with preventive maintenance, we don't really have um, an end of life for the bridge, even though, as you say, it's, it's getting older. Um, but our current plan is to keep that bridge uh, in good shape and, and uh, working reliably as, as long as we can. Um, you know, so there's, there's, it's not like it comes with, a, with an expiration date. Yeah. Um, it's an iconic structure, and, and you know, we hope, hope to keep it in service as long as we possibly can. Other than that, I looked at the map and uh, it looks like maybe a little work down on M28, southern part of Houghton County, maybe into Barrica County, uh, planned for this summer at some point. We we do have uh, we do have a, a fairly large um, resurfacing project on three routes down in Ontonagon and Houghton County. So it's M26, M38, and US45. It's a fairly large project, six point three million dollars. Uh, there'll be some culvert work along with that, and we hope to get this starting uh, started in May. It'll be May through October. It's a, a total of 22 miles of resurfacing on those three highways uh, combined with the culvert replacements. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the other uh, big project besides the uh, Silver River Bridge and uh, finishing up the finishing up the College Avenue project. And you guys have a wonderful website with a map on it that shows all of the construction sites in the state now. So if somebody's planning on going from point A to point B, you can go to the MDOT website and you can see what's going on where. Yeah, we've uh, we've kind of moved away from trying to print paper maps every spring uh, be- because these are really moving targets. We, we, As we talked about, we don't exactly know when we can get these projects underway because a lot of that depends on the weather. So if you go to michigan.gov, Slash drive. That's our interactive MyDrive website. It's a map that shows not only construction projects, but if there's a traffic crash that closes a lane, um, and and uh, the state police alert us to that, we can get those kinds of closures listed as well. Or, you know, when the the few times uh, per year that we have to close a major roadway because the police have deemed that it's impassable, uh, that happens on. Uh, M28 between Marquette and Munising occasionally and down on US2 um, sometimes. So uh, you can get that information there as well. So my drive, michigan.gov slash drive is a really good resource. If you're planning a trip this summer and you want to know where you're going to run into one of those temporary traffic signals or where there will be some lanes uh, closed at times, uh, that's the place to go. Just a couple minutes left here, Dan, and I want to make sure that we address the issue of safety before we wrap this up. We go past those construction sites. We see those uh, people working out there who are working very hard sometimes in really adverse weather conditions. We need to keep those people safe. Every year I see stories that somebody got injured, somebody got killed on the job. We can't have that. 
No, it's, it, it absolutely uh, should be in the top of everybody's mind as they're driving and they see a work zone ahead sign, uh, slow down, obey the posted speed limit, and uh, you know make sure that you are not only going to get yourself home safely, but that those workers who are out there uh, risking their lives to keep, keep our roads uh, in good repair make it home as well. Um, you know, this is road construction zones are our construction contractors and our inspectors offices. It's, it's their, it's their workplace. And, um, you know, it's, it's the least we can do to uh, help, you know, make what's already a difficult job, um, safer for them. Um, yeah, every year we have, uh, we have work zone fatalities, um, and it's typically because of distracted driving or driving too fast for conditions. Um, and, and obviously it's important whenever we're out on the road to not allow ourselves to be distracted, but particularly during construction season. It's just like in the winter when we uh, try to get back into the habits of driving on uh, snowy and icy roads again after not having done it for a while you just need to get back into that mindset that there's going to be construction this summer. I need to keep my eyes open and I need to uh, make sure that I'm alert when I'm driving through a construction zone. Yeah. You're not in that big a hurry. Keep those folks safe. Dan Weingarten. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time on Copper Country today. Thank you, Todd. It's been nice uh, talking to you about our project.